wanted to read the story of Christmas, and then I wanted to bring a, a brief word to you, and then we're going to enter into communion. But I wanted to uh, share something about the Christmas story here for you guys who are here tonight, and uh, I'm going to take it from maybe a place that it's usually not dealt with, and that's in the book of John. The Bible says in the book of John, in the first chapter, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the word became flesh and dwelt. That term in the original language means tabernacled or tented among us. So the Word became flesh. To become flesh, there's a, a word the Bible uses. It's called the incarnation, to become flesh. And so throughout the history of the Christian church, we've known this term incarnation. The Apostles' Creed, which maybe many of you grew up with in church quoting, says the first portion says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. That's the incarnation. The incarnation is a mystery. A famous medieval theologian asked, is it fitting for God to become man? Was it right for God to become man? And his answer was, yes, it was right, because by visible things, the invisible things of God would be made known. And to this end or this purpose was the whole world made. And it's clear from what the Apostle Paul said, for the invisible things of God are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So when Jesus became flesh, when God became flesh in the person of Jesus, we now got to see a glimpse of what God was like in real person in real time. He became one of us. He became one of us. There was an old song uh, on rock radio stations years ago, and it went, uh, what if God was one of us? And the song sounded kind of sacrilegious, you know, what if he rode a bus like one of us? But really, the song was asking an age-old question and one of the most profound questions ever asked. What would it be like if God was one of us? Well, you know what? We have the answer to that because the Bible shows us what God was like becoming one of us and He's totally wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. That's, what, that's who God was. It's what He looked like. It's what He talked like. It's what He acted like. It's how He loved. It was the incarnation. And then this theologian went on and asked, well, why would the Son of God become flesh? Why would God become a person? And the Bible's very clear about it. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And Paul said in 1 Timothy, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 1 Timothy 2, there is one God and mediator who came to reconcile God to humanity. The reason he became flesh was because the world was lost. The reason he became flesh was to save us. He goes on and asks, would he become flesh if there was no sin? And the answer would have been no. 
He wouldn't have become flesh if there was no sin. He came down. Paul said in Philippians that God gave up His divine privileges, took upon Himself the humble position of a servant, and was born as a human being. And He appeared in human form, and He humbled Himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. That's the great humiliation and what we call the kenosis passage, the being poured out where God stepped aside, the Son of God stepped aside, came out of eternity into time and became a human being. So many great and beautiful verses describe this and the reason behind it. John 3.16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. 1 John 3.8, John said, Why do people keep on sinning? It shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. You can shout amen on Christmas Eve. And then he says in Ephesians 1, And this is the plan, that at the right time he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth, that Christ was raised from the dead and that God seated him at a place of honor at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And now he's far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world which is to come. And that God has placed all things under the authority of Christ and made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church. Can somebody shout amen? Paul said in Colossians that Jesus purchased our freedom and forgave our sin, for He is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through Him God created everything in the heavens and on earth and made things we can see and things we can't see. Thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for Him talking about the Son of God. He existed before anything else and He holds all creation together. Christ is the head of the church, which is His body. He is the beginning. He's supreme over all who rise from the dead. So He is first in everything. For God in all of His fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through Him God reconciled everyone to Himself and He made peace with everything in heaven and earth by means of His blood on the cross. This is love coming down from heaven. Can somebody shout amen? amen. That this, is, this is the pinnacle of what we believe. It's the pinnacle of theology that God became man to rescue and reconcile humanity to Himself. Years ago, the Nicene Creed was written in the year 325. And the Nicene Creed says, I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through Him all things were made for us men and for our salvation. He came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, 
He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. Can somebody shout amen? Years ago, a philosopher named Soren Kierkegaard wrote this piece that I thought is so apropos for tonight. He said, imagine there was a king who loved a humble maiden. She had no pedigree, no education, no standing in the royal court, and dressed in rags, and she lived in a hovel. She lived the ragged life of a peasant, but for reasons no one could quite figure out, the king fell in love with her. He fell in love with this girl in the way kings sometimes do. Why should he fall in love with her was beyond explaining. But love her, he did, and he couldn't stop loving her. One day there was awakened in the heart of a king an anxious thought. How in the world can I reveal my love to this girl? How could I bridge the chasm that separates us? His advisors, of course, told him that all he had to do was command her to become his queen. And it would be done, for he was a man of immense power. Every statesman feared his wrath. Every foreign power trembled before him. Every courier groveled in the dust at the king's voice. The poor peasant girl would have no power to resist. She would have to become the queen. But power, even unlimited power, cannot command love. So the king could force her to be present in the palace, but he could not force her to be present in her heart. He thought he might be able to gain her obedience this way, but coerced submission is not what he wanted. He longed for intimacy of heart and oneness of spirit, and all the power in the world could not unlock the human heart. It must be opened from within. So... He met with the advisors once again and they suggested to try to bridge the chasm by elevating her to a position. He could shower her with gifts and dress her in purple and silk and have her crowned the queen. But if he brought her to his palace, if he radiated the sun of his magnificence over her, if she saw all the wealth, pomp, and power of his greatness, then she would be overwhelmed. How would he ever know if she loved him for himself, or just for all that he had given her? And how could she show that, she, that he loved her? How would he be able to show this and, and would love her still if she remained only a humble peasant? So every alternative that they came up with didn't work, but there was only one way. Only one way this could work. So the king arose from his throne, took off his crown, relinquished his scepter, laid aside his royal robes, and took upon himself the life of a peasant. He dressed in rags, and he scratched out a living in the dirt, groveled for food, and dwelt in a hovel. He did not just take on the outward appearance of a servant. He became a servant. It was his actual life, his actual nature, his actual burden. He became as ragged as the one he loved so that she could be forever His. And in that way, His raggedness became the very signature of His presence. 
How could God get us to follow Him and love Him if He just showed up in all of His glory? Or if He just elevated us to heaven to see Him in His splendor? He wouldn't capture our hearts that way. But He knew the greatest way was wrapped in a mystery. And that is that He would come down unknown to a peasant girl and be born on the wrong side of the tracks as a humble servant and live that life and die the life of a common criminal so that you and I could experience freedom and get His love deep within our heart. Come on. Can you shout amen? Come on, somebody shout amen tonight. Four things that this means to me. Four things the incarnation means to me. Number one, it means that God now is accessible to you and I. He's not just in heaven above to where we can't ascend, but He came down and now no more mediators are needed, uh, earthly mediators at least, no more uh, priests and sacrifices and no more rituals. We can go directly to God now. In the Old Testament, God was only accessible through prophets or priests or the tabernacle or the temple. But now, John said, He has tabernacled among us. Using the same word they use in the Old Testament, now the glory of God has come in a person, in the womb of a little maiden girl. So as one man said, Jesus' earthly posture, His tone of voice, his attitude, his reaction to events were those of God's. It was God with us in Christ. The second thing the incarnation means to me is now Jesus has taken my sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west. Now there are no more sacrifices needed. There are no more bulls and lambs that have to be uh, killed. There's no more of that. There's no more works that have to be done to earn salvation. It's all been done by the one sacrifice. When John saw him come to the river Jordan, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It's the last and final sacrifice all mankind would need. Can somebody shout hallelujah? The third thing the incarnation means to me is Jesus came down to lift us up. You and I couldn't find our way to heaven. There was no way. Everyone who has attempted to ascend into the spirit realm gets fouled up in the second heaven where there are spirits and there are demons and there are, there's warfare. So it took one coming down from heaven to make a way as the great pathfinder, as the great forerunner who would then go back to heaven and make a way for you and I to get to God. Years ago when I began in ministry, I traveled with a man who was a former uh, Hindu teacher. He was a former yoga instructor and was immersed living a life of a yogi underneath a, uh, a, a, a superior yogi. And he said they did everything they could to get to God. They would fast. They would, they would do mantras. They would uh, meditate day in and day out. They would pray hours and hours a day. But it wasn't until he met Jesus Christ that he found that those ways all ended somehow confused and somehow fell short. But when he met Jesus, he accepted the free gift of salvation and he realized that Jesus had already made a way for us to get to the Father. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Man, I feel like preaching on Christmas Eve. Come on, somebody. 
This is why we celebrate. And finally, Jesus coming to earth in the form of a person means now you and I can be holy. Now you and I no longer have to live bound by sin. We no longer have to live with all of the regrets of the past. We no longer have to live in addiction. We no longer have to live bound by the things that, that have held us captive for years. But now that Christ has come, freedom has come. Now that Christ has come, liberation has come. No wonder he first inaugurated his ministry by opening up the scroll of Isaiah in that synagogue that day in Nazareth and said, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news. Hallelujah. To bring liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. Now we can be free. Now I'm left with, in light of all that He's done for me, you know what? I'm really just left with nothing to do but praise Him. What else can I do but celebrate what He's done for me? What else can I do but give Him praise and adoration? He's freed me. He came running after me. Love came and tracked me down. Hallelujah. What else can I do but celebrate and say, Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for Christmas Day. I thank you for becoming a man. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for not leaving me out in the cold. I thank you that you made me a people who were once not a people. I thank you that I'm redeemed, that I'm sanctified, that I'm set apart, that I'm on my way to heaven and that I'm living the kingdom life now. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah tonight. Lord have mercy. John the Revelator. I opened up from the book of John chapter 1. We hear from him again in the book of Revelation. And he said, now I'm left with this. All the glory, all the glory to him who loves us and has freed us from sin by shedding His blood for us. He's made us a kingdom of priests. All glory and all power to Him forever and ever. Look, He comes with the clouds and everyone will see Him, even those who pierced Him. And all the nations of the world were mourned for Him. Yes, amen. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who was and who is and who is to come, the Almighty. And then in chapter 4 of Revelation, all of heaven breaks forth in worship. What else can we do? Once the Lamb of God has been incarnate, once He's died for our sins, all we can do is celebrate. John said, I saw this. Four and twenty elders falling down on their face. I saw seraphim flying in the air, crying like they did in Isaiah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All the throng of heaven worships Him. The song they sing is a song the angels can't sing. It's the song of the redeemed. It's the song that you and I have in our hearts. People coming out of sin now brought into the light of His salvation. We're the ones who can sing. And then in the end of Revelation, in chapter 21, He says, I heard a loud voice saying, 
Behold, the tabernacle of God is now with men, and he will dwell with them. The same word used in John 1 where he says, Now the word has dwelt among us. One day we're going to be with him face to face, person to person. No veils, no realm to have to go over. We're going to be face to face dwelling with the one who came and dwelled in flesh for you and I. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but I feel like rejoicing and giving Him praise tonight. Can you give Him a shout of praise on Christmas Eve? Hallelujah. Listen, I hope you get great gifts tonight. Or in the morning, I hope you get something you wanted. But you know what? If you never got another gift, you've already gotten the greatest gift that there ever has been. You've already received the greatest gift there has ever been, Jesus coming down to earth, dying for our sins. Come on, somebody. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. full of grace and full of truth. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the incarnation. Thank you for coming and dying for me and everyone in this room. And Lord, maybe there's some out there who've lost hope or maybe they they think there's no way out of their current situation or maybe a, a, a consistent problem or addiction they've had in their life. God, I pray they hear the message of freedom loud and clear tonight. That they can be free this night, Christmas Eve. They can be free. Come on, I'm gonna pray for every one of you. I know it's we got the lights darkened in here, but if you need prayer, would you just lift your hand just between me and me, you and the Lord? If you need prayer tonight, come on, just lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need prayer. Maybe you don't know the Lord, maybe you're just in a situation right now where you need a special touch. I'm gonna pray for you right now. I'm gonna pray for you right now. Come on, let's repeat this together. Father, come into my heart. I repent of all sin. I receive Jesus, the greatest gift of all. I repent of sin and walk away from it. And Jesus, I walk into your arms tonight, arms of love. Thank you that I'm forgiven. Thank you that I'm made new. Come on, every hand in here lifted. Come on, lift, lift a hand out there. Father, right now I pray for each and every person. I pray for those who requested prayer. And some of those maybe who, who didn't have it in them tonight, they raise their hand. They're walking through something. Holy Spirit of God, come and breathe right now, I pray, on each person in this room. Breathe upon them right now. Let them feel that cry of freedom ringing in their hearts tonight. Breathe upon them, Lord, in the name of Jesus, and minister your peace, your love in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Bodies be healed in Jesus' name. Tormented minds, be at peace in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Spirit of grief, go in Jesus' name. Feel the love of the Father tonight reaching out and wrapping His arms around you. Come on, if you believe that, just go ahead and just, just thank Him. Just, just lift up your voice say, Lord, I thank you tonight. Lord, I thank you tonight. Lord, I thank you tonight. Hallelujah. Come on, some of y'all need to leave some junk in 2023. 
Some of y'all need to leave some of that junk in 2023 and not carry it forward to 24. Come on, just go like this. I'm leaving it behind. Come on, some of that drama you walked through, we're leaving it behind. We're walking into a new year. I had a prophetic word the other day in church, and I know it sounds so cliche, but hey, it came out under the inspiration of the Spirit. There's more in 24. Expand your tent pegs and get ready for the more in 24. Hallelujah. Come on, if you believe it, receive it right now. There's more. There's more coming in 24. No matter what the world faces, we're in Christ. No matter what the world says, we're in the Word. And that's who we're listening to. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, can everybody say amen? Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.